0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to How to Live the Podcast, where we are figuring out this thingy called life. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon.
1: Hello, friends. I really wanted to come in with silence, only then I thought everybody would be really confused because it would be totally silent and they would just think that there was a problem with the podcast. But following my silent retreat, I wanted to be silent.
0: Oh my goodness. You have come off the back of so many days of silence for somebody who loves to talk, you and also me. I honestly don't know how you did that.
1: Okay. So I did this silent retreat. It was a Vipassana meditation retreat. It was seven days long. I shared a room with two people, which just by the by, that was like the most intimidating part about it for me going into it was not even the silence. In fact, now that I think about it, I think the daunt of the silence was eclipsed by the daunt of having to share a bedroom and a bathroom with two strangers. What did you find so scary about that? I don't know exactly. I guess yeah that's a really interesting question it just terrified me the idea of being with these like people that I didn't know I guess awkwardness comes up I think I like to be really comfy when I sleep I was terrified that one of them would be like a really loud snorer or something like that but what about farting I Uh, fart in my sleep all the time Oh, same yeah I guess I didn't think that one through but that would have been a scary point as well. But I think for me it was awkwardness, just being uncomfortable around other people. And we actually arrived on the Friday afternoon and we had a couple of hours to hang before we went into silence and it turned out we got along so well. So that element of it was completely taken out the window.
0: Mm, and I feel like being in silence around strangers doesn't feel awkward you know, if you were having to talk to them and you weren't getting along for whatever reason or you didn't have anything to say, that would be awkward. But really, you were just going to be in the presence of strangers.
1: Mm, that's really true. And actually, having two of them made it easier in a way because it's like if it's just you and one other person, that can kind of get awkward. Mm. But if it's you and two other people, like the spotlight's never just on you. Yeah, totally so yeah that part of it was scary but i very quickly got over it it turned out i knew a couple of people on the retreat so that was really nice to have just when i arrived seeing friendly faces i was like oh okay this is not going to be as hard as i thought the silence itself uh yeah is tough do you know why I actually, I've done a self-guided retreat before on my own for five days. I think I talked about it like a year ago. It was with Tara Bruck's stuff online. I just watched her videos all day and meditated myself. I actually find it really easy to be on my own when I'm on my own. Like, you know, if I was in a cabin in the woods, I can be on my own in that way. I've done enough work around that. But being on my own in a room full of people sitting next to each other, eating dinner and sitting in silence, very, very tough.
0: Yeah, I've never, ever had that experience before, so I can't even comment on how I feel about it. But I feel like that would be way more awkward to me than being by myself or them being with a group of strangers, just sitting alongside somebody and doing an activity and not being able to break the silence would really irk away at me, I reckon.
1: Well, I think because they were quite chilled about it, that you could be like, oh, sorry, do you mind? You know, like you could say just like the littlest thing. So it wasn't like this thing that was like niggling at you that was like, don't talk, don't talk. It was like, oh, well, if you talk, you talk. It wasn't Mm. like this big thing of like, how long am I not going to say a word for? Yes. So I think because they were more chilled about it like that, it made it easier. That's fair. mm But so off the back of that, we thought it might be nice to have a little deep dive into this idea of sitting with your feelings and just feeling your feelings because the style of meditation retreat that I was on is all about being with your feelings. And a lot of feelings came up during the week. Even one, the biggest one for me was just, I was bored a lot of the time because I got there and I was really busy and I was hectic finishing off all my work in time to go on this retreat. And then I got there and then I was just like, and I was like but I'm you know like I was like wired and ready to do so much stuff and then I was just like and now be still and I was like but, but no so yeah like, where's the checklist where's the to-do list exactly so it was a bit boring and then it was just like we'll be with board mm. anyway lots more of this to dive right into let's get into the chat we're gonna make it
0: loud So this idea of feeling your feelings or being with your feelings, I think that the first time probably I heard of that concept was when I read Glennon Doyle's Untamed.
1: Mm, I feel like she has that motto, feel your feelings. Yeah,
0: and it sounds like such a stupid phrase and it is so deep, which are kind of my favorite phrases where (laughs) they're just three words that it's like, yeah, that's so obvious, but in reality – wait a second, no, I've been a human being on this earth for, at that time when I was reading her book, 26 or 27 years, and I have never been taught to feel my feelings. That is a completely radical concept to me.
1: And it's one of those things that you hear it, and when you understand it, you're like, shit, why didn't we learn about this in school? Why was I learning about Pythagoras and his theorem? Instead of just this basic concept of feeling your feelings.
0: Yeah, because we start to develop this coping mechanism from a very young age where feelings are so intense and they're like a wild ride. So rather than feeling into them, we develop this coping mechanism, which is not feel anything at all.
1: And what you kind of start to learn when you are opening up to this stuff is that actually By not feeling them, you're not actually avoiding them successfully. You're just shoving them away somewhere. And then they're just gonna like pop back up when they feel like it. So I feel like I used to do this all the time with stuff. I'm trying to think of the perfect example. Okay, why don't we go with the phobia? My phobia. I'm not gonna say what it is because it freaks me out for people to even know my phobia, but I have this phobia and I've had. But wait, if
0: I was listening to this podcast right now, I would be. Dying to know what it was. I feel like we
1: have to tell them. No, I can't. I'm telling you. I even I said it in another podcast like a year ago, and then I edited it out because the idea that somebody could like send me this phobia just freaked me out so hardcore. I'm working on it, guys. I'll work up to it. I promise. Okay, could we give them an equivalent of what the phobia is? Okay, let's just say I'm scared of strawberries. Great. Okay, so. I have this phobia of strawberries, let's say. I actually have a friend who has a phobia of a certain fruit. I'm not going to out him right here on this podcast, but he does. Can you tell me later? Yeah, I'll tell you later. And so I have this phobia of strawberries. I don't like looking at them. I don't like touching them. Let's just say, right? And every time this strawberry phobia comes up, so every time I've seen a strawberry my whole life, it makes me feel icky and gross inside. If you have a phobia, you might be able to relate. And my response to that, rather than feeling the eagerness gross, because, like obviously, I don't want to feel the eagerness, is to just shut it off, block it out of my mind, shut it off, right? And the thing is, I'm not actually dealing with that feeling. So then every time I see a strawberry, shut it off. can't think of it, can't feel it. you know? I really have to shut it off. That's my only way of dealing with it. And then, with this work I've been doing on feeling my feelings more and more, about a year ago, I had this moment where I saw a strawberry. And my body went to just shut it off. And instead I was like, huh, what if I just open up and feel that icky feeling and like meet the ickiness. And for a moment I felt the ickiness. And then rather than obsessing about it, you know, when you shut it down, it's all you can think about. Mm. And so like, I'm like, don't think of the strawberry. Don't think of the strawberry. Uh, I can't stop thinking of the strawberry. In this moment, I actually met it, saw it, felt gross about it, and then carried on with my day. And it was like, wow it actually moved through me. So I still felt the icky feeling, but then I was able to just continue on and feel the next thing. And it wasn't like persisting in my mind. Mm. I saw this really great
0: Instagram infograph that perfectly illustrated what you're talking about. We will try and find it and post it in the Facebook group. But essentially it was like, if I feel my feelings and it had bubbles and then the feeling when you felt it was like a big bubble and then after you felt it it just got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it dissipated. And then the next thing said, if I avoid feeling my feelings and then it was like avoid and the bubble was small and then I was like avoid, avoid, avoid and the feeling just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's like that idea of meeting it head on and allowing it to dissolve, rather than feeling it, clutching on, and then it just festers and grows and grows and grows, even if it's not on a conscious level, even if you're not aware of how much it's festering, somewhere inside of you, it's growing. And if I reflect on the times where I was really not open to feeling my feelings, which, I mean, that comes up for me all the time where icky feelings come up and I don't even notice that I'm avoiding them. But back in the day when I would do it, I would avoid them and then I could feel that they were festering. So I'd tell myself, I'm not doing a good enough job of avoiding them. I need to avoid them more. I need to distract myself more because obviously I can still feel them on some level. The The solution is not to feel. The solution is actually to distract
1: even further oh my god i have a really good example of when you were doing this okay okay this was years ago this is so random that i just remembered this while you were speaking so when you and elliot had only been together for like a year or two and you went on a break yeah yeah you decided that you would only listen to happy songs because you didn't, wanna, <laughs> I remember this. You didn't want to listen to sad songs because sad songs equal sad emotions, and you weren't going to the sad place. And it makes sense, like at the time, when yeah. You were I didn't want to let myself feel sad. I felt like I couldn't
0: pull myself out of a hole. But also, that's what society tells you: don't let yourself feel sad. Sad is not a thing that you want to feel. Sad
1: is bad. We label emotions good and bad. We want to feel the good ones, and we don't want to feel the bad ones. And this is all about what vipassana what this style of meditation and what a lot of buddhism talks about is that we in the west particularly we label our emotions as good and as bad and we clutch onto the good ones and we want to feel those ones and we want to feel them all the time and we want to push away the bad ones the ones that we label as bad the sad the fear the anxiety, all of these things. And if this is the first time you're hearing about this, you're probably sitting here listening, being like, well, duh, why would I want to feel fear? Why would I want to feel anxiety? And I think the thing is actually in Buddhism, it's what they call the second arrow, which is your reaction to your feeling. That is where the suffering comes into it. So if I feel sad, okay, I'm feeling sad. But then I'm getting angry that I'm feeling sad because I'm like, I shouldn't be feeling sad. And then I start to push the sad away and then I've got this anger here. And then that kind of starts to bring up anxiety. And this is all like the second and the third arrow coming through the layering that I'm putting on top because the thing is, yes, it's great to feel the happy emotions, but the reality of being human is, you're going to have bad emotions too. I mean, label bad, inverted commas, bad. You are going to feel those emotions. If you break up with someone that you love very much, you are going to feel sad. That is an unavoidable reality. But by pushing away that sad, you are creating so much more suffering for yourself where I've spent years after breakups, feeling sad anytime I think of that person because I really never just processed that sad. I avoided it. Whereas if you meet that sad head on and it takes a lot, it's brave. It is fucking brave to meet these difficult emotions because they are difficult. Mm -hmm. It's not difficult for most people to feel happy, but it is difficult for most people to feel sad. And if you can find that bravery to meet that sad and feel it, and and be gentle on yourself and allow yourself to be sad and be like, it's okay to be sad. Then you're going to move through that sad and actually most emotions only last for a couple of minutes. Because if you sit with that sad for a couple of minutes then you might notice that you start to feel grief. And once you sit with that grief, then you might notice that you start to feel nostalgic. And once you feel nostalgic, maybe you're going to actually be happy. And then once you're happy, maybe you'll be angry at yourself for being happy and then you'll just be angry. But if you're angry at yourself for being angry, then we just get a whole lot of messiness in there.
0: Oh, my God. And there's so much to unpack in that as well because what, you're doing by allowing yourself to feel those difficult emotions, and I like that we're calling them difficult, Mm -hmm. is you're unlocking your ability to experience greater levels of joy. That might sound wild. Let's go further. Can you relate to this idea of experiencing something wonderful or having this really joyful, happy time? And then the second it starts and you notice how happy you are, you immediately panic that it's going to be over.
1: Oh, okay. I have the perfect example of this. Every single time we get to Hawaii, every single time I step (laughs) in, I see the view. I see this beautiful place that is my favorite place in the world. And I turn to you and I'm like, oh my God, we only have a week here. I'm creating that. I'm here right now. And actually, Liz Gilbert mentions this in Eat, Pray, Love that she has a friend that does this. And she's like, I just want to shake them and be like, but you're here right now. Like every time she gets to the place, she plans the next time she's going to be there. And it's this thing that we do. We want to grasp onto these happy times. But by doing that, we're actually missing the happy times themselves.
0: Yeah, like we've gone from elation into panic in mere seconds and then... If we're panicking, we're not able to feel the full spectrum of that goodness. And so by allowing yourself to feel the difficult feelings, what you're doing is being less afraid of them. And when you're less afraid of them, you're less avoidant and you're more able to be in the good when the good comes up and also invite in the bad when the bad comes up because you know it will pass.
1: Mm, And I guess you're less attached to grasping to the good emotions because you're not like, oh, I can only feel this and I can't handle feeling anything that's difficult. So you're like, I need to feel good because difficult's bad. But if you're not labeling or judging them as good and bad, it's just like, huh, oh, okay, now anger's coming up. And often I'll catch myself in this because obviously it's, it's a wild concept and it's a really hard to put into practice. And I spent a week Doing this. And what I realized at the end of it, after I'd spent a lot of the week being bored, I started to realize, (laughs) (laughs) I started to realize, oh, wait, like the reason I'm doing this and just sitting here and being with bored and being with whatever comes up is I'm actually like cultivating this superpower. I feel like it's a superpower to be able to be with anything that comes up. And since I've finished the retreat, I have this heightened ability to be with whatever it is, And I obviously lose it all the time. So perfect example, I got on a plane and I flew to Melbourne yesterday and I'd be on the plane and I hate flying. Like I'm very scared of flying. Jessica can vouch for me. She's terrible. Yeah, I'm terrible. Many
0: scratch marks have been had when she is clawing into (laughs) my arm when there's turbulence and I'm trying to explain to her that the flight attendant over there looks really happy.
1: (laughs) Not to mention like how sweaty I get. Like I'm just like sweatily clutching onto you for dear life. Like a sweaty koala bear. (laughs) So when I'm on a plane, I'm really scared. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is kind of a cool opportunity to practice because I know I'm going to get scared. The scared is unavoidable. But what if I just be with scared? So I'll be on the plane and I'll be like terrified and I'll be like, oh no. And then I'm like, have this remembrance of, wait, what if I just be with this scared? And then it's like, I feel my body relax Mm. and it's like even though there are uncomfortable feelings in my body still, if the plane suddenly drops, I don't know why you remain so calm in this situation because to be honest, I'm pretty sure we're falling out of the sky at this point. We're all about to die. Wait,
0: pause. Okay, the only reason I'm able to stay calm is because you're freaking out. When I'm with
1: Elliot, (laughs) he's so calm. I'm freaking out. Okay, thank you because recently I flew with you and like there was literally a moment where we were falling out of the sky. We were plummeting to our death in my brain. And I turned to you and you were like, it's okay. And I was like, how is she so calm? (laughs) Yeah, you just
0: have to be the one that's okay in that situation and oh. I really actually
1: enjoy being that person for people because yeah you're really good at it for me it
0: allows me to feel calm
1: because I have to be okay because Renan and I just freak the fuck out together and nobody's calm in that situation no, it's a bad situation I it's really bad. both. yeah so anyway my body's freaking out like I'll feel this like the plane will drop and I'll feel this like pain in my chest and if I'm just lost in that feeling and I forget like the second thing of being okay with that I'll just be like oh no there's a pain in my chest oh no you know like I'm just totally I'm lost in the (laughs) freak out but if I'm able to be like oh there's a pain in my chest that's okay it's okay because I think I'm in that moment I'm like oh no why am I freaking out but I am freaking out but there's so much judgment around it there's so many feelings on top of feelings on top of feelings but if I'm able to be like And obviously, this is one where you have to be pretty practiced in this practice. But as an extreme example, if I'm able to be like, okay, there's a pain in my chest. I'm freaking out right now. I feel my body just relax and be like, okay, I'm freaking out. And on top of that, it takes my attention away from actually what I'm freaking out about and then brings my attention into that feeling, which I feel like is probably a whole nother episode on mindfulness and being present. But that's an extreme example, but it goes for everything. If I'm angry because someone just pulled out their car in front of me, in that moment, that anger is like the worst thing ever. But then when I'm able to be like, oh, wait, it's totally okay that I'm angry, then I'm like, huh? And there's mm. just a little bit of space from it. And it's like, haha, any emotion can come up. And that emotion's totally fine. And it's just this liberating feeling.
0: Yeah. I think I found it helpful in the beginning. Because I was so used to avoiding all my feelings and not wanting them to just rear their ugly head, I didn't know how to be okay with my feelings. I didn't even really know how to feel them, which is so screwed up that we live in a society that makes you not know how to feel your feelings. The word is called feelings for a reason. Which is
1: such a common experience, by the way. Like most people don't know how to feel their feelings. 100%. Yeah. Because our culture is like, avoid, 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 shop, 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 phone, 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 Netflix, Netflix.
0: Yeah. like eat, th- eat, eat. Think about when you see a little kid fall over and then they're like crying and they're so upset. And then someone with very good intentions comes up to them. It's like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And well, this is
1: the thing. I feel like this is where a lot of it comes from is that our parents, very well-meaning, when we're like oh I'm so pissed off about this thing that happened at school today rather than being like oh that's so annoying for you and like really being with it which is something Brene Brown talks a lot about they'll be like oh but that's okay you don't need to be angry because blah and it's like while we think that that's A good thing. Yeah, we think we're diffusing the situation in that moment. If we're not actually able to go through that process of feeling that anger and also having somebody be there with us in it can be really, really helpful. Like Brene Brown talks about this, that as a friend, having empathy in that moment or as a parent is the most powerful thing you can do is... Be in that with them and it takes some vulnerability. If somebody's like, oh, someone made fun of me today. Someone made fun of me at school and I'm really upset about that. Rather than the parent being like, oh, don't worry, that's okay because you're great. They have to kind of tap into that in themselves and go, oh, yeah, I remember what that feels like to be at school. And, you know, that's a vulnerable thing to tap into that feeling and feel it with them and be like, oh, that's really hard. But it's pretty amazing when someone does allow you to feel that. And someone does go there with you, how quickly that emotion can transform. And sorry, I'm totally detouring from what you were going to say. I was
0: like, did I start
1: talking? (laughs) Or maybe I didn't. And I just imagined it. You did start talking. We'll circle back to you in a sec. But I just went on this tangent because I remember our cousin spent a bit of time with her friend and her friend's kid and tried this out on them and had learned about this stuff. And the kid was really sad when they were leaving the beach because she was like, oh, I really wanted to stay at the beach. And rather than being like, oh, well, too bad we're leaving, she was like, oh, I know that sucks when you're doing something that you really love and then you have to stop, doesn't it? And the kid was like, yeah, okay. Okay. And was just like, you know, having someone there with her in it was just she felt it. She processed it. She felt seen and heard in that situation. And then she was able to move on. And as adults, that's something we kind of have to learn to do for ourselves absolutely we have to relearn it because we were
0: probably born with those abilities and then it was beat out of us
1: well yeah when you're a baby like you cry when you're sad and you're not going to be like well no I'm not going to be sad anymore yeah like that's not a valued emotion
0: yeah what I was going to say which was very short was just that I found it really helpful in the beginning when I was starting this practice to thank the emotion for coming up so like for me anxiety is like a big one when I feel anxiety coming up I don't like it and I don't value anxiety you know I kind of hate anxiety I guess to put it in those terms and so it was really hard to like invite anxiety in because I thought I hated anxiety so I would just say thank you anxiety like thank you for being here and trying to tell me something even if I didn't believe the thank you in that moment. Even if I was just saying it in my head for the sake of saying it, I feel like that was my gateway to going from really not wanting to feel shit to being okay with feeling stuff. There was a solid while in between where I was pretending that I was ready to feel it, you know? Mm. And by doing that, I got ready to feel it. So my brain was like, okay, yeah, thank you. Even though my body was still like, eh, no, thank you. But I was saying, no, thank you. Mm. And then eventually I you was saying, ab-
1: no, comma, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was able to just embrace it in that way.
1: Mm, which is so important because sometimes it does have to start in a little bit of a forced way because there's such power in our words- and in our affirmations and things like that. 100%
0: All my affirmations I feel like When I start saying them I don't necessarily Believe them But then after The practice Becomes practiced I am like Fully embodying them And I'm like Wow how the fuck Did that happen That's like magic And it's like Duh That's what they Told you would happen
1: Oh totally Like I am worthy No I'm not I am worthy No I'm not And it's kind of like The ones that are The hardest to hear That's when I know I've hit on a really Important Affirmation That I need to hear Because if If you're so Uncomfortable hearing it from yourself then what is that go yeah, deeper
0: one was one that happened for me recently was something around like i am intelligent oh and it was like such a sore spot for me that i literally winced when <sighs> i said it and i was like whoa that's showing me something
1: oh isn't it and i think you're very intelligent
0: thanks well i think i am now too after
1: <laughs> after all the weeks affirmations. of telling myself
0: i am in the mirror
1: Yeah. so on that saying thank you to yourself Just a little Buddhist story for you. Oh, I love story time. (laughs) So uh, this is one that my teacher Tara Brach loves to tell. My teacher, she's my teacher now, but also she's just like everybody's teacher. (laughs) She's just... She's your teacher. Yeah, she is. So she's the one I'm doing the meditation teacher training with. And she tells this story. I'm sure lots of people tell this story that when the Buddha had this attendant called Ananda. And in Buddhism, the bad feelings are represented by this person called Mara. And when Ananda would see Mara coming, he'd go to the Buddha and be like, oh, no, oh, no, Mara's coming and totally freak out about it because Ananda's just like not enlightened and he's just like, ah. And then the Buddha would be like, ah, don't worry, Ananda, and see Mara and say to Mara, come, welcome Mara, welcome Mara with open arms and be like, come, let's have tea together. Mm. And this story really helped me to be like when yucky feelings would come up, I'd be like, yucky. And then I'd be Ananda for a second Then I'd like channel the Buddha and be like, oh, wait, welcome, Mara. Let's have tea together. And I literally would say to it, welcome. Just that word or like, yes, welcome. You are welcome here. And actually by welcoming it and by saying yes to it, that is the key to shining the light on it. Anything that the light shines on itself becomes the light.
0: Mm, And funny. Okay, Moon, my teacher, Mm Moon de Simone, she always says to me when we're talking about these icky feelings, invite the feeling into the garden of your mind for tea, but definitely don't let it stay the night. Love it. Like she's very sassy. So I feel like it's based off of that story.
1: Well, definitely because she's Buddhist as well. So that makes total sense. I love I love the Simones and the sassy spin they put on Buddhism. It's so great.
0: I know. I always think that. The garden of my mind, you can come in, but you're not staying the night.
1: Well, yeah. And the way to do that is just be totally welcome and it won't.
0: Yeah, it won't stay the night. It adds an actually want to. You think it does because you've been avoiding the feeling for years. Mm. But once you let it in for tea, it's good. It just needs a scone and it's happy to be (sighs) on its
1: way. Scone, a little jam, maybe some vegan cream and it's good.
0: Ooh, have you seen that Oatly is doing a oat cream
1: oh that kills me because i can't have oatmeal because i'm intolerant oh that sounds delicious yeah,
0: i haven't had it but i'm excited
1: yum so a teaching that really just dropped this whole thing in for me is in the untethered soul one of my favorite all-time books by michael singer he talks about this concept of feeling your feelings and he's like the way that you do that is you need to open your heart to everything and the way that you open your heart is just open your heart never shut it It's that simple. And when you read that, you're like, okay. But then just that term of open your heart. Sometimes when I'm really struggling to feel feelings, I literally imagine my heart opening to them. Whatever it is, anger, sadness, anxiety, whatever. I imagine my heart opening and that visualization for me really like intensifies the feeling. So for me, I really couldn't feel my feelings in the beginning And often I default back to that, that I'll shut down to something. And when I remember, okay, wait, open your heart, suddenly I'll actually feel the feelings flood in. And it's just like, no matter what, don't close your heart, just feel it. And he talks about in this book, it's unbelievable if you haven't read it, it's a life-changing book, how when we don't actually feel things, that they just go straight back in and they're stored as like energy somewhere in our body to when you see that thing or you know, you see your ex or whatever it is, we haven't processed about them, it all just comes flooding back every time. But actually, if you open your heart to it and you feel it, that's when it's actually going to pass through you. And the next time, if you feel it again, it'll just pass through you and eventually, You're all good. You're not holding on to shit anymore. This is the shit that causes like disease and sickness is like we're holding on to shit in our bodies. Mm. Yeah.
0: And I think it's worth mentioning as well that it's like a lifelong practice, like all of this stuff. It's not like you just hear about this concept. Like when I read Glennon Doyle's book, Feel Your Feelings, it wasn't like an instant. Oh, I'll just do that. And now I can do it forever. Just to
1: clarify, that's not the name of her book. That's just what she says in her book.
0: (laughs) True. True. So it is this lifelong practice that you have to keep coming back to. And I think it's so many years of conditioning and in such formative years, right? Like from age zero to 27, I was doing things one way. And now I'm like, okay, you can actually do things this other way. But my brain's always like, no, you can't. 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 can't. So all the time I'm catching myself being like, what is up with me at the moment. Why do I not like being by myself? Or why am I avoiding meditating? Or why am I avoiding my morning routine? And it's because I'm like, oh, I'm really feeling so much fear at the moment, but I've been avoiding it and I haven't even noticed. And then- it's in that moment where you notice that's the opportunity to start to bring in these sorts of things.
1: Well, yeah, and I feel like that's so important to mention is there's no amount of layers of emotions that you can put on top of each other that you can't then accept them. So it's like maybe you've been really fearful. And then you notice that you've been fearful and you're pissed off at yourself because you weren't with that feeling. And then you're judging yourself for being pissed off. And you know you can go on and on, but you can just be with that judgment and you can just be with that pissed off. But then you can get angry at yourself because you're not doing it right. And then you can just be with the angry. And there's no amount of layers and that's a really powerful remembering for me that happens where I might call my best friend and be like, oh, I'm so anxious at the moment, but I'm so pissed off at myself for being anxious. And I'm pissed off that like I know how to be with it and I can't be with it. And she's like, oh, I'll just be with it pissed off. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, thanks for that reminder. You know, yeah. like no matter what comes up, be with that. And even if you forget and you're annoyed at yourself for forgetting, be with annoyed. It's Okay.
0: Yeah. Everything is okay. And nothing is to be valued. Like It's really interesting. We do a check-in at Tubes on a Monday afternoon when we do our weekly whip, our work in progress. And we start it every week with a feelings check. And I find it really interesting because there is this expectation around the good feelings being the good feelings and the bad feelings being the bad feelings. And we all are constantly having to check ourselves and be like, oh no, it's okay. Like we don't have to value the good feelings over the bad feelings or want to move through the bad feelings really quickly. Whatever we're experiencing on this Monday afternoon is welcome here and that's okay nothing's better nothing's worse and that is the complete opposite of what this world is telling us to do Mm. but we still keep coming back and setting the intention to feel that way we might not always feel that way I can feel happy and then be like oh this is so much better than when I felt sad yesterday but I can know that at the purest form nothing is to be valued higher than anything else.
1: Mm, And it's like, by doing this work for yourself, by allowing your own feelings, you're then able to hold other people's feelings more. I notice that if somebody says to me, they're really sad, I want to fix it. And I feel like that's a really common response is if there are The difficult feelings coming up for someone else, I want to fix it. And if the difficult feelings are coming up for me, I want to fix it or I want someone to fix it. So wherever you find easiest to start that, because it's kind of like a cycle. But by holding it for yourself, you're able to hold it more for others. And by holding it more for others, you're able to hold it more for yourself.
0: So true. Just hitting us with some wisdom freaking bombs today, you are. Well,
1: you know, the silent retreat.
0: I know, just so full of wisdom. But the more silent you are, the more wisdom you get.
1: <laughs> that's how it works, isn't it? So I think that's a pretty nice place to leave it. I feel like there are some, what is it called? Like a spin off show. I feel like there are many spin offs that could have come out of today's episode that we will be hitting you with. If there's anything in particular, Definitely get in touch with us and let us know what you would like to hear more of.
0: Hope you are feeling all the feelings this week, whether they are good, bad, ugly, difficult or otherwise. And know that if you feel like being in community, you can always come over and hit us all up at How to Live the Podcast on Facebook where we have all the good chats.
1: Thanks for tuning in. We love you.
0: Bye na 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 na